Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Jesse from Metalhead Money. We met on Twitter and we connected well since we both have a passion for personal finance and rock metal music. Although by normal standards she has a full-time job and performs music on the side, she is actually a full-time artist. Wait for it, this will make sense throughout the episode. Jesse will share her money lessons from her many years of experience as an artist. We will deal with how to organize your finances and monetize your art how you can stand out as an artist today, and finally, how you should consider your day job and identity as an artist. This episode is for you if you are already a creator looking at improving your finances, or as well, if you are looking at developing your art and monetize it. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Jesse. How are you doing today? Great. How are you, Johnny? Yes, I'm uh, fantastic. And... Um, yeah, I'm excited to speak to you. We've been uh, chatting uh, quite some time now on Twitter about rock and finances. So I'm excited to, to uh, talk to you and uh, to see how all that, that all blends in together. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Jesse, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm definitely very happy to, to be on here. And um, I'm a school librarian by day. I've been playing music for most of my life mm-hmm. and been you know, going to shows in the underground music scene since I was a young teenager. And that was a pretty long time ago at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Been playing in bands probably since I was 18 or so. And just, uh, you know, on an underground level. And I also am an editor of a couple of blogs, which um, has given me the opportunity to talk to a lot of different musicians from all different levels of the music industry. And, um, in the past couple of years, I've been getting into personal finance and trying to learn more about that and share share what I'm learning with people. Yeah, very good. And uh, you also wrote a book, which we will uh, talk about uh, later. But yeah, of course, I- I'm curious as well to hear b- a bit more about your story. So you've been playing in bands for uh, yeah 20 years. So what mm-hmm. uh, when you say underground, what type of music is that? Or do you have popular band examples that relate that you can... Uh, kind of uh, see or hear compared to? Sure. I started off playing in like an indie rock band. I, I was playing cello. It was so, it was someone else's band. I was just the, the cello player. Like that was the first one. And then, then I was playing in a band that was kind of trying to be like Black Dahlia Murder, but I, I don't think we ever quite made it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then as the years went on, just different different flavors of metal bands. Lately, I've been getting more into like stoner metal and doom metal and also getting more into punk. Okay. And did you make some money when you were a teenager and uh, or was it just for fun? Let's uh, get with the friends together. Let's jam or let's play in front of people or were you already monetizing then? Um, it was mo- mostly for fun. Yeah. <laughs> trying imagine. to break even, trying to, um, you know, when we would play shows, we would have a band fund and save the money to put towards recordings. Um, but yeah, mostly for fun. Yeah. But okay. Recording. So it's, you were serious kind of. (laughs) 
Yeah, we're, it was a, a serious and expensive hobby. <laughs> Very good. And, and then you continue to do that. And then as you grow to be an adult, <laughs> <laughs> so you become a school librarian. And um, where does the music go? You still do it on the side or how, how do I need to see your um, schedule? Huh. Well, being a, a school librarian and before that, just an um, uh, English teacher, you know, working in the school system, you have two months off every year, if yes. you so choose. And you don't work any nights or weekends ever. So it's actually a really good job for somebody who is a musician, whether you're a serious hobbyist or whether you're doing it as a side job. It gives you a lot of room to mm-hmm. fill those times with, with music. You know, you have plenty of time for band practice and gigs and things like that. So... um I actually know a lot of a lot of serious musicians who are teachers of some sort by day. So, you know, band practice would be a couple times a month. At at my height, I guess I was in three bands at once for a while. Whoa, <laughs> a couple of different metal bands and also uh, like a bluegrass band, a folk band. So that would get a little hectic. But uh, I'm trying to practice you know, a couple times a month and have a show every month for a while. Uh, my husband and I had a baby in January, so we are um, kind of hyper-focusing the schedule on recording next month, and we haven't actually played any shows in 2021. Uh, he is he is my bandmate in one of my bands. So the schedule of band activities is slowing down, but it's not coming to a halt. I have another band that has our first gig in two years in July. We're We're kind of coming out of hibernation right now, so... There's always a couple, a couple different irons in the fire. Okay, well, that's exciting. And and do you, um, I mean, those bands? Do you are you on Spotify or uh, can can we listen oh, yeah. to it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the one I'm in with my husband is called Turkey Vulture. And we're on Spotify, and the other band that's coming out of hibernation is called Owlmaker, and that's also on Spotify. Okay. and they're both on Bandcamp as well. Okay, very good. Yeah, then then of course. Okay, that's you're an artist. I can feel it. I can hear it. Mm-hmm. You produce, so it's uh, it's quite serious. So it's not just uh, playing in a bar and uh, collecting a bit of money here and there. It's really uh, you're producing. You're on Spotify. That's great. So yeah, the personal finance. So you wrote a book about personal finance, but you made it specifically for rock people, or at least for um, musicians. Uh, how does that differ from, uh, from, let's say, regular people or uh, people uh-huh. with a job and uh, <laughs> That do, that do not monetize uh, next to, to their uh, main job? Well, the book is called Money Hacks for Metalheads and Old Millennials. Mm-hmm. And I guess the first way it's different is that, and this is a little bit corny, but I like doing corny things sometimes or silly <laughs> things. Um, it has a lot of puns in it that are related to heavy metal. And some of the puns and little jokes are pretty underground. So if you have... if your metal listening goes to Metallica's Black album, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Some of the, and, but that's where it stops. Some of the jokes will not make any sense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's one way that that I tried to just have fun with the topic and make little little jokes here and there. But the first several chapters of the book will have similar information to other personal finance books, like. Um, like, for instance, opening a Roth IRA. You know, I, I'm not the first person to think of that. That's a, a United States um, one kind of retirement account option. Mm-hmm. Um, so it covers the basics that already exist that, you know, certainly other people have written about, but not with heavy metal puns as far as I know. 
Um, <laughs> and then it has a couple chapters on one chapter is specifically about band finances from an underground perspective. It talks about things like whether or not to get a PR agent. Um, and if you're trying to DIY it, how you could do that more effectively. It talks about crowdfunding for bands and things like that. Um, it has a passive income section that is not specific to bands, but it does address some things like YouTube channels that a lot of bands are interested in. And then the final chapter is called Backstage Pass, and I interviewed four different people who are making their living in the music industry about how they achieved that. So that those are the things I'd say that are unique to musicians. Yes. Okay. I see. And what's on your story with personal finance? Because of course I see you're a musician, you make money you, since uh, you're a teenager. So of course that come to you, but uh, what's your story? I mean, what's your errors? What are your, your first steps with personal finance? How did you get this interest because i mean old bands deal with money but i mean mm -hmm. you write a book about it <laughs> <laughs> how does that come uh, to fruition well a couple years ago probably let's see i'm doing the math in my head i think four or five years ago i unfortunately got divorced mm -hmm. and in the process of that you have to fill out a lot of financial paperwork mm -hmm. and just when i was filling it out and you know comparing my former husband and I's incomes and what we were doing with that money, I started to think, you know, we're probably missing something. Not that he and I were going to do anything with it, but, you know, for the future, there's probably something more effective or efficient that we could be doing with money. Mm -hmm. So I started just checking out personal finance books from the library and learning more about it. And sometime around that time, and this, this is probably my biggest personal finance error, I had my my retirement account IRA was invested in cash for about 10 years. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh is right. So I, the way I made this error is that I was working at Starbucks when I was in college and had a 401k there. And when I stopped working there, they said, okay, well, you can roll it over into an IRA. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure, great. You know, sounds great. I like a retirement account. And they send you a little form that says, you know, what do you want to invest it in? And it had all these things on the form. And I didn't know anything about any of them. And I didn't bother to find out. And I just checked off cash because I thought the stock market could crash at any time and my money could disappear. And I better just check off cash. So I basically made my IRA a savings account, yeah. <laughs> which is terrible. So I'm reading all these books and I'm like, darn, what, what is my IRA invested in? Let me go check. And then saw what it was. And I was like, oh my God. So I called Fidelity, the company that I have it with, and picked a target date fund because I figured that was just the easiest and I wasn't going to have to make changes to it. If any folks are not familiar with that term, it's a fund that you you pick a year that you want to retire mm -hmm. and the fund becomes more conservative over time. So you personally don't have to adjust anything. It does have a higher expense ratio than, say, an index fund. but you don't have to worry about anything and you don't have to change anything ever. You just need to make sure it's existing and keep putting money in it and yeah. it does the work for you. So that's but, the, the pro. Yeah. And Jesse, <laughs> but nobody told you when you chose the, the cash option, No, nobody no, told nobody, you, yeah, but no. uh, you should consider to invest in a fund or whatever. Or <laughs> nope. Nope. Nobody told me. I just went along and checked off the box and that was it. Uh, because even for the banks, I mean, if for the institution, I mean, 
they will make more money by managing um, some index fund or some um, target target date fund than than having it in cash. So I don't know. <laughs> it's like yeah, no, I, it should yeah. be win win in theory. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So finally, I I got that into something that was actually going to make money, and then I just kept sending money in. But then it was going into the core positions account and not being invested because I didn't pick something to invest future contributions in. Mm-hmm. So it took me another year or two to figure that out. I went in and I was like, why do I have 1400 bucks in this thing? And then I finally figured out that I have to pick an investment. And now it's all automated and all, it all auto comes out of my checking account and then auto invest. So I don't have to do anything else. No, that's very good. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my long-winded story of my my personal finance journey. And, and But that's kind of why I got the idea to write the book mm-hmm. because I figure, well, you know, I don't know this, and I like to think of myself as a reasonably smart person. You know, I tell I tell eight year olds that I'm a smart person, so you know. <laughs> uh, but I figured, like, if I didn't know this information, maybe other people, you know, my my peer group, perhaps also didn't know this information. So that's when I started brainstorming the ideas. And then, because yeah, on Twitter, I mean, you you of course you're heavy metal money, but it's. I mean, all your tweets are about money, so it's um, just with this uh, rock, uh, rock flavor to it, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's. Uh, I mean, it's all about money and uh, giving tips and, uh, of course, exchanging and uh, ideas. So, so it's kind of cool. It gives a good vibe uh, to to share this passion. And, and what do you think are the main struggles of uh, rock bands? I mean, how or your fellow musicians uh, besides this uh, retirement account uh, mistake that you made? Are there some other common um, mistakes or errors that you see that people usually do? Well, this isn't so much an error, but mm-hmm. most of, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely not an error. Most of the musicians that I know, even the most serious ones, do not make their living solely from their band's music. Mm-hmm. So I think if somebody had that expectation that maybe they should think about adjusting that yeah, uh, to avoid disappointment. Many of the musicians that I know personally and that I've interviewed for the blogs will create multiple streams of income. So either they will have a day job, you know, like a full-time day job, or they will teach part-time at a music store, or they will have their own private lessons that they're teaching. So teaching is really one way that musicians and other artists can have a stable income while they're creating their art. Mm -hmm. I actually just read this book called Real Artists Don't Starve. And it talked a lot about that concept in there. And that made me feel good because I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm a school librarian, so I guess I must not be a real musician because I can't make a living from Turkey Vulture, my band. Yeah. And then, you know, I was reading this book and it was all about how it's okay if you have a day job and still play music or paint or whatever it is you do. That doesn't mean you're less of of an artist because you have a day job. Mm-hmm. But for people that, that really want to be hyper-focused on music, and make all their income from that teaching music, whether it's private lessons or at another institution is definitely one way to have some stable income. A lot of musicians I know also learn things like audio engineering. So perhaps they work at a recording studio or they record bands independently. Maybe they even own their own studio. So being an audio engineer will be a flexible job that they can book jobs when they want around their bands, tours, or things like that. Mm-hmm. So so I'd say definitely focusing on 
multiple streams of income is a better way to go than thinking that your band is going to get super famous and that's how you're going to make your living. Yes, exactly. And 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 I was wondering then, is it not possible then to to be the next uh, Metallica or the next I don't know what Iron Maiden or Megadeth? Uh, I mean, is it so hard or how can one stand out? Because, you know, today, and okay, we talk about rock, but it applies to painting or to other uh, form of arts. So how, how can one really stand out? Is there a secret recipe or is it really you need to be conservative? Uh, I don't know. How, how does one uh, become full-time musician? Well, I have not become a full-time musician, mm -hmm. but there are two people that come to mind who are f either full-time musician or mostly full-time artist, musician kind of person. Um, and that's Lindsay Schoolcraft and Margaret Kiljoy. And um, Lindsay Schoolcraft w was in Cradle of Filth, and now she has her own solo project and also a band called Antiqua. And then Margaret Kiljoy is in the band Feminine School, and she's also a writer and um, works in a nonprofit. But both of them have really great Patreon accounts where they have lots of subscribers who are really invested in what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think they were able to gain that following because they interact with their fans. And if you go to their Patreon pages and look at the perks, they're very like personalized. So if people subscribe, they're really getting a connection with this artist that they like. Yeah. And I was talking with Margaret for an interview for Metalhead Money, and she was saying how directing people to that Patreon has really helped her have a a steady source of income. Like she can depend on on a couple grand every month, which is quite impressive coming from her fans because they care about what she's doing and they want her to be able to keep making art. So I'd say if you if you really want to be a full-time musician, then you have to connect with your fan base on a personal level. Yeah, no, no, it's good. And it reminds me, you know, I sent you this article about my friend, uh, Cade, who was on, mm -hmm. on the podcast, and it's kind of the model they're using huh? to to be successful, to to get more uh, listeners. It's it's really they, they are um, active with um, an email list. And you know, oh, they yeah. send promotions, yep. they send uh, sometimes free um, samples of their music. They make all the announcements through this email list. So, and then even sometimes they uh, make contests for merch, or at least they announce mm -hmm. new merch. So it's it's really this content creation approach. Like, I mean, being an influencer, basically, as I understand mm -hmm. them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And an email list is great because you have control over it. It's mm -hmm. it's not it's up to the fate of the algorithm whether someone sees it. You know. Yeah. So so yeah, no, it really seems to be a one model to to uh, generate all those uh, streams of income and at least to yeah to generate the uh, band interest and uh, create that relation that's uh, how i understand it and it's mm -hmm. uh, i i've seen it work huh? uh, because okay the K the kade is a, a friend so mm -hmm. of course i'm supporting him <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, it, i mean i see the model and yeah it works i mean i didn't really realize it but until i saw this article that they sent actually not i didn't find it so they mm -hmm. send it through their email list. I'm like, yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, they're just doing what uh, what we do uh, in personal finance. So that's uh, that's good. Excellent. And um, yeah, th then, of course, uh, I was wondering then, uh, Jesse, if, if somebody starts, I mean, maybe the listeners, okay, they may be not into rock, but maybe they have a passion they want to monetize. So what would you say they should focus on? I mean, just to get started, I'd say 
you know, carving out the time in your schedule to really focus on on your vision of what you you want your art to be like. Mm-hmm. And this this is right out of the Real Artists Don't Starve book. But you know, looking at your current day job as a patron of your art rather than as a hindrance. You know, like you mm-hmm. have this job that that allows you to have free time that you don't have to spend working that you can you know go buy your art supplies with because you have this job and your partner who you trade you keep uh trading watching the kids so you, you know one of you can go off and do something is helping you create art so to to look at things in your life in a more positive way as things that are helping you rather than things that are stopping you like oh i i'm not an artist because i have a job and you know yeah, yeah. so i say you know positive outlook Social media presence, I'd say your your big three are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and just kind of enjoy the process. I, I think sometimes focusing on making money too much can take the fun out of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I know <laughs> so, that's mm-hmm. happened, you know, to some of my bands. So. Yeah. And how has it been with COVID, for example? I mean, you could not really perform for some months. So how has it been this period? Well, we got to work on on some new material mm-hmm. for Turkey Vulture. And we did some live stream performances, which kept us at least not forgetting our songs. So that was good. We're going to have to chip in a little bit more of our own money for this recording. Yeah. Usually what I do is like, I, I do freelance writing on the side. And this, this is a hack I suggest for any independent artists is that if you have some kind of side hustle, or hobby that you've monetized, like set that money aside and just pour it back into your other hobbies. So any money I get from writing goes into my PayPal account and it just stays there until it's time to record. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, just because bands weren't doing as many things, I didn't have as many like press release writing jobs as usual. But there's still enough in my PayPal from the writing to pay for like half of our recording. So, so I'm happy about that. But, you know, since we don't we don't seek to make a living from our music or it's not a large stream of income for us, it's more like a like we're hoping that the hobby is going to fund itself stream of income. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't make a difference in our in our like household finances that we weren't able to perform. It was just more of like a a bummer kind of thing. Yeah, it's like the side hustle doesn't bring in as much. And of course, you miss the. Uh, the audience, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. miss seeing our friends and yeah, yeah. you know going to shows and stuff like that. So yeah, no, very cool. No, I think that that's quite interesting. Did you have any other um, quick takeaways from the book you, you're reading right now? I think it sounds like an interesting book, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, I loved the thing about your employer being your patron. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a great one. Yeah, like yeah, I have to stop complaining. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that was my main takeaway, as well as that you're still an artist, even if you have your day job. Another book, I just started reading Doom to Fail by JJ Anselmi. That, that's another good one. If anybody is interested in doom metal, he goes with lots and lots of background information on the history of the genre. So I'm enjoying that one now, too. Yeah. So yeah, that's a bit not what I'm listening to. I'm more uh, kind of mainstream rock. So, so what are your, your favorite bands, actually, uh, Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Well, Thin Lizzy is a favorite. Yeah. Okay. Say like a like an overarching influence favorite. Mm-hmm. I'd say the band Chemist is one of my favorites from like the Stoner Doom genre. For more other kinds of metal, I've been listening to Black Dahlia Murder for a long time, and they are 
they're a favorite too. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so, well, Jesse, I think this was um, quite interesting. I really like the model and um, how people can, actually artists, can think of new, it's really a new way huh, since a few years to to move, to monetize and maybe to keep their art longer. So that's uh, that's mm -hmm. quite good. That's quite interesting. And uh, yeah, so thank you to to bring that on on, on the show. And uh, yeah, Jesse, be, before we close, I would like to ask you, are you ready for three quick fire questions? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Very good. So uh, the number one question is, uh, yeah, we talked about IRAs, but uh, what has been besides that uh, your best investment so far? Um, my best investment of all time is my education. Mm -hmm. It has allowed me to have the job that I have today, which allows me lots of time to work on my art. And also it's a job that I enjoy. Yeah, oh, perfect. That's uh, That sounds awesome. And, <laughs> and um, the, the question number two, uh, what is the a book you can recommend to anyone? Aside from the ones that we've talked about earlier, mm -hmm. the book Creative Visualization is really good for anyone, uh, whether you would like to be an artist or not. I think it's a really uh, helpful, enlightening book. Okay. I will, I will look it up. Who, who's the, the author? Um, her name is Shakti Gawin or something. I will, okay. I will send you the spelling of that on Twitter. Yeah, or, or I can Google it anyway and I will list it in the, in the, in yep. the notes. So no worries about that. And then the last question is uh, always the tricky one. What is the best purchase you've made for under a hundred dollars? Mm, that is a tricky one. I would have to say recently I purchased a Bluetooth speaker. It was JBL brand, 30 bucks on Amazon, like on sale. And it's been, it's been well worth it. Ah, oh, perfect. Of course. Yeah. Take the music <laughs> on the go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very good. So Jesse, um, what, where can the listeners find you if they want to learn more? I mean, if there are some creatives uh, among among us, I think they will be interested, but I would still recommend to follow uh, Jesse on Twitter. So where can they find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at Metalhead Money. Mm -hmm. They can, um, there's a link in my Twitter bio that has links to all the blogs and, you know, bands in case anybody is interested. And um, you can look up Money Hacks for Metalheads and Old Millennials on Amazon. Okay, perfect. I will uh, link it as well directly. And then, uh, yeah, so Jesse, I want to thank you. It was a pleasure to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you find it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend. Or you can also read the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, you can create content around your niche. There is still room for you. As an example, Jesse managed to write a practical personal finance book for musicians with puns and specifics for her niche. Number two, money is not about being smart. Everyone makes mistakes. And with regards to your retirement account, whether you live in the States or in Europe, read the fine print and get help to make sure you make the right choice for yourself. I mean, you could uh, leave a lot of money on the table. Number three, making money as an artist. So bands do not always make money only from music. Artists often have a regular job. Look at building several streams of income. Think of uh, YouTube channels, Patreon accounts, etc. And you can stand out by using that personal connection with your fans and use modern communication tools, huh? social media, email lists, etc. These tools can help you build that steady source of income. And this one, I found a very good tip from uh, Jesse. If you make side hustle money, yeah, for example, freelancing, set that money aside, put it on an account and then use it for other hobbies. Number four, 
how to get started, carve time out of your schedule to really focus on your vision, on your art, look at your job as a patron of your passion, not a hindrance, have that positive outlook and stop complaining, <laughs> build a social media presence, and above all, enjoy the process and do not focus only on the money. And I will finish with this, you are still an artist even if you have a day job, so go and create whatever inspires you to share with the world. You are an artist. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time. 